Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus Christ as the King of the Jews. And, of course, in this section, what we're doing is we're seeing, as we've been seeing, the end-time events. Jesus left the city of Jerusalem. The disciples were with him. They talked about the temple. He said it's going to be torn down. They understood he was talking about about the end or something. So when they got to the other side, to the Mount of Olives, and they were looking back across at Jerusalem, four of the disciples came up to him and said, when is this going to happen? What will be the end of the age? What will be the sign of your coming and all this? And so in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus has been teaching about the end time events. He's talking about the time we call the tribulation, which is that seven-year time period right before Jesus comes back. And he's been talking about all of that. Beginning in chapter 25, he's basically giving two parables. We saw one last week, which was the basically the ten virgins of the ten bridesmaids. And the whole point of it was, as you, whoever's faithful serving the Lord, when he comes back, they'll be rewarded. We're going to see this morning another parable about an owner who entrusted his talents basically to three of his servants, and their job was to be found faithful and to be rewarded when he comes back. As we look at this passage, we think about this. Now, we know that he's talking about the end of the tribulation and then the rewards that go on as you start into the kingdom. Well, the great truth for us is this. Jesus could come in any second, take us out of here, but one day, every one of us, Every one of us in, who know Jesus Christ as Savior will stand before Christ to be rewarded. So this morning, we're going to see that Jesus declares that every person will give an account. All will stand before him how we use the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the time, the possessions, the money. And so this passage is dealing with rewards. The Bible tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. So how are you? And let me just raise it this way. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, and I hope that's every one of you in this room, how are we using the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to us? Because one day we're going to give an account. Now, this has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. This has to do with how we served while we're here. So we'll see it as we go through the passage. By the grace of God, I, I got to go to college, and also by the grace of God, I got to go to seminary. I went to Dallas Seminary, and at the end of four years, they have a thing they call it pre-ordination exam. It doesn't really have anything to do with ordination, but at the very end, as you're almost through with Dallas Seminary, you get to pick out a professor and then and just other, any other professor, and they come together in a room, and you come in there, and they ask you any question they want to ask you. They can ask you about the Bible question. They can ask you about theology. They can ask you about church history. They can ask you about something very practical. They can ask you about lifestyle. They can ask you about counseling. And so you're kind of scared because they could ask you anything. But you, it, it, the bottom line is you have to give an account of yourself before they'll actually let you graduate. They have to say, do you know enough <laughs> to let you go? And it's a kind of a scary time. But here's a great truth, too. Every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ, there's going to come a time when each one of us will stand before our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what we want to hear him say is, well done, good and faithful servant. Every one of us are going to stand there. And you know, sometimes we don't think about it that way. We think, well, maybe I won or something. Or say, maybe we think like, we'll just, we won't be in line and we'll just slip around the side or something. Or we'll stand with two or three people and, you know, like at camp, wherever they're going, everybody's all hugging everybody and going around and everything. Maybe you think when you stand before God, I think maybe I'll have Gene with me and that'll make me look a lot better. But the truth is, it won't. I won't be there by myself. I'll be there by myself. And every one of us, 
will stand before our Savior. So it's very, very powerful. With this in mind, we're going to give an account. I want you to understand something, though. All believers will stand before what we call the judgment seat of Christ. And the word judgment there is the word bima in the Greek, which actually means rewarding stands. You're going to stand before your Savior to be rewarded. Now, I want you to understand that unbelievers are going to stand before the Lord at what's called the great white throne judgment. And uh, if their name is not found written in the book of life, they're cast into the lake of fire. So I want you to understand that for us, most people say that when the church is raptured out, that will be a time that we will stand before our Savior, the judgment seat of Christ. There will be the great white throne judgment, which unbelievers stand at, but also is a possibility that some believers who, who, who were born and trusted in Jesus during the thousand years, they will be rewarded there. We, we don't know for sure, but the bottom line is that every one of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior will stand before him to be basically given account of our lives. And so I, I want to remind you of this. A person's eternal destiny is, is decided by faith. You put your trust in Jesus Christ and you have eternal life. It is not works. It is faith alone in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 was one of our verses this week at camp. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works lest anyone should boast. So I want you to think about something as we go through this passage. And I'm going to go through it fairly quickly because uh, and, and, it's just a narrative and we can just look at it very quickly. What are you doing with the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the time and the possessions and everything that God has entrusted to you, how are you using those for the glory of God? Because one day you'll stand before him to give an account. As we look at Matthew 25, there are two parables. We saw it last time, uh, the parable of the ten virgins. We basically said there are ten bridesmaids, and they were supposed to be ready and looking for the return of, of, the, of the bridegroom, and we'd say they were waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. They were supposed to be serving while waiting. When are we going to see some servants? And it's the same thing. The master gave them something, gave them their talents, and then left. He's going to come back, and give an, they're going to give an account. We'd look at it this way and say that, all of us are servants of Jesus Christ. There's going to be an accounting at his return, and we're to be serving him while we are waiting. And so I want you to understand something. This passage is not dealing with salvation. It's dealing with rewards, and we'll see it as we go through it. Let me tell you how you can understand this as well. We've seen two or three places where it talked about faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. These passages aren't talking about salvation, because if they were, then that you'd have to be faithful to be saved. And we know that salvation is a gift. It's not by your faithfulness. Now, rewards deal with faithfulness. If you serve God and you're faithful to live for Him and serve Him on this earth, when you stand before Him at, at, at the judgment seat of Christ, He will reward you. And that's what we're going to see as we go through the passage. Let me break down the passage for you. It's pretty simple. The master is going to go on a journey, so he entrusts to, something to his servants. And then the master returns, and he settles the accounts. And so we're going to see that. Let's start with verse 14, Matthew 25, verse 14. And Jesus is speaking, and he's tell, he just told a parable of the ten virgins. Now he's going to say this. For it's like this. It's like this is talking about the kingdom of heaven. For it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slave called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Now I want you to understand he's saying just like this man and he's got people who work for him slaves the words could be also servants and he called them in and entrusted possessions to them. Now these are his trusted workers. Now I want you to notice carefully in the verse it said he entrusted his possessions to them. When when these 
these servants, it wasn't their possessions, it was the master's possessions, and they're supposed to be wise stewards. They're supposed to take what their master has given them, which is actually their master's, and to use it for his glory. It's the same for us. The gifts, talents, abilities, times, possession, everything that we have, sometimes we say, well, that's my car, that's my house, that's my this. Listen, everything we have comes from God. He's the one that gave it to us. And we are to be wise stewards and take what God has entrusted to us and to use it for his glory. Because one day, we're going to give an account. And so look what happens. It says, it's just like this man who's going to go on a journey. That's verse 14 again. And he called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And so he says, here, this is what I'm giving you. Now, to one, verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one according to their own ability, and he went on his journey. Now, some people, there's all kind of confusion necessarily how much is a talent, but we think that five talents would be about 15 years' salary. Can you imagine taking the salary? Maybe you make a salary and you say, here's my salary, it's this much. Would you say he's giving you 15 years' of salary at one time. That's what he did. And to the other one, he gave uh, two talents. That was about six years' salary. And then the last one, he gave one talent, which was about three years' salary. So this is not a little bit of money. This is a lot of money. And so he's basically saying, I'm entrusting this to you. Use it for me. And so once again, in verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and then another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. And so every one of us in this room have different gifts, talents, and abilities. We're not the same. And so he gave some of us something. He gave some of us something else. He gave some, and he says, I'm entrusting you with this. Use it until I come back. That's basically what he says. And so that, that's it. And, and watch what happened. And by the way, they're, they're going, the servants are accountable to their master for how they use what he has given them to, to, given to them. And we are accountable to our master. See, we are servants of Jesus Christ. We who know Christ as Savior, we're servants of Christ, and we are accountable. So look what happened. Look at verse 16. Immediately, the one who received the five talents went out and traded with them, and he gained five more talents. Wow. Now, we'd say, man, that's, that's stewardship. He's using what God has given him. Look at the next one. Verse 17, in the same manner, the one who received two talents, he gained two more. And we'd say, wow, that's faithful stewardship. They're using, they're using their talents for their master. But look at this, verse 18. But he who received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. Basically, he's, this is unfaithful stewardship. He didn't use his talents. And you realize that there are believers, that God, all of us, all of us as believers have been given different gifts, talents, and abilities, and you realize there are some believers who don't use their gifts, talents, and abilities at all. They don't take what God has given to them, that's entrusted them, and use it at all for God's glory. In fact, some people hide it and never use it at all. And this is what we're seeing in this passage. So one had five, went out and got five more. One had two, went out and got two more. The one who had one, instead of going out and getting at least one more, he went and hid it in the ground. And he was, he was not faithful. In fact, as the master says when he comes back, you could have at least put it in the bank, and I could have got interest. You understand there's going to be an accounting. Look at verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And see, I want you to think about that. Settle the accounts. One of these days, you will stand before Jesus Christ. 
This has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. And when you trust in Christ, he's given you eternal life and you're saved forever. And so this has nothing to do with entering the kingdom or anything. This has to do with rewards. One of these days, every one of us, each one of us individually, will give an account of how we use what God has entrusted to us. And so look what it says. Now, after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. And look what happened. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. Wow. And what does the master say? And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. The word slave means servant. We could say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful. Now watch. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You did great. You were faithful with, with, a, with a few things. I'm I'm going to entrust you with even more things. Now, we're talking about the kingdom. He's talking about when Jesus Christ comes and we stand before him and he rewards us, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to, you were faithful in the things that I gave you now. Now I'm giving you even more things as you go into the kingdom to serve me. That's what he's really talking about. And so he said, uh, I, I want to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Think about that. That's joy and rewards. Now I want you to understand something. When you stand before Christ, you want to hear him say, well done. You want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, you have done this. I'm going to give you this. I want you to serve me in this way. That's what we want. And so that's what happened in the first one. So that's great. Well, here comes the second guy, verse 22. Also, the one who had received two talents uh, came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful. Now notice what he says. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Listen, in this verse, he says exactly the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. In fact, the reward is exactly the same. I want you to understand, God's rewards are always based on faithfulness. Not amount of time, not gifts, talents, and abilities, none of that, because he gives some five, some two, some one, some 20, whatever he decides to give out. Some people live 20 years, some people live 50 years, some people live 80 years, some people live long. It's not amount of time, it's not gifts, talents, and ability. It all goes back down to faithfulness. And so he said, well done, good and faithful slave, servant. You were faithful in a little. I'm going to give you even more. Enter the joy. And so it's not how much what gifts and talents. And I talked about this in the first service. Some people, when you see upfront gifts, I have an upfront gift. That's a teaching gift. I get to be upfront. People see it. And some people think that's more important than something else. It's not. If I'm faithful to teach the Bible, I'll be rewarded. If I'm faithful to serve God with the gifts, talents, and abilities He's given me, I'll be rewarded. If you're faithful with your gifts to serve God, you will be rewarded. Some gifts are not more important than the others. All are the same in the sense that God says, all that matters is you be found faithful. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Moreover, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found faithful. In Romans chapter 14, he says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. Therefore, each one of us will give an account of ourselves 
to God. You're going to stand before him. And what we want to hear him say is, good job. You did it. You took what I gave you, whatever it was, a little or a lot, whatever it was, and you were faithful. And he says, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. And so that's the key. The key is to take whatever gifts, talents, and abilities that you have. I read a little quote by a lady by the name of Wilna Crabtree. She says, if I cannot do great things, then I'll do small things in a great way. That's what really matters. Whatever. I read this little story. It was about a little boy. He was trying out for a part in the play in his school, and his mother knew that he was very sensitive, and she was afraid that he, he might not get chosen for one of the good parts. And so she picked him up from school, and on the day the parts were given out, he came out, his eyes were all shining and excited, and she said, what part did you get? And he said, I've been chosen to clap and cheer, you know. And, and so she looked at that, and see, that's the truth. Some of us clap and cheer. Some of us do something else. Some of us pick this up. Some of us get to do this. Whatever God gives you to do, whatever gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you, use them for his glory so that he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in what little I gave you. Because considering it's just little because it's just for this time, now I'm going to take it and I'm going to give you even more as we go on through the, the kingdom and on into the eternal state. All with opportunities. Wow. Well, we're not through. You got one more. And we call him the wicked slave. Look what happened. And the one, this is verse 24. And the one who had to receive the one talent came up and said, Master, I, I knew you to be a hard man. And you're reaping where you did not sow. And you're gathering what you didn't. You know, we scattered no seed. And so I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. He basically said, what you gave me, I didn't use it all. In fact, I hid it away. And he said, I was afraid. I was afraid and I hid it. Notice what he says. I, I, I know you're hard and, you're, and, and you, you do this. And I thought I was afraid. And you know, some people, they see God that way. They think God's hard. I got an email this week from a guy in our church who said that when he grew up, uh, the church he grew up with when he was a little boy, they taught that God was harsh and that he was watching you and that if you messed up, he was going to get you, and so you better live right. That's what he was taught. He was actually taught that God was harsh and mean. And uh, he, he, was, he, he was bothered by that because he, he never could, he never, in his mind, he said, I don't think I can measure up to that. I was taught by nobody because I didn't go to church, but I thought that if you did bad, you had to do a good because one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to go, you did more bads than good, go to hell. That's what I thought. See, I didn't understand that it's by faith alone in Christ. I didn't understand Jesus died on the cross and paid for all my sins and rose again and I trust in him and he gives me eternal life. I didn't see, I didn't know how God was. I do now. And so this slave says, I, I, I know you. I know you're wicked. I know that you're a hard man. And so I was afraid and I went and hid it. And uh, he was afraid. And look what he says to him in this next verse. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have at least put my money in the bank. And my arrival, I would have received money back with interest. You realize that if we don't use what God has given to us, we're actually lazy? We're actually unfaithful servants 
that Jesus Christ has saved us. He's given us eternal life. He's given us gifts, talents, and abilities. He's put us in places, and he says, take this life and these abilities and these talents and what I've given you and use them for my glory. And we say, I, I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't want to do anything. We're lazy. So what does he do? Verse 28, therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Do you realize he took away the talent, the one talent, and he gave it to the guy that had ten? One of the other parables, one of the other gospels says the same parable, but they add something where one guy says, wait a minute, Lord, he's already got ten. You're fixing to give him another one. He says, that's right, because the more faithful you are and the more you serve me, the more I give you. Notice what he says. To everyone who has more, to everyone who has more shall be given. He will have an abundance from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. You've seen it in your life when you give. We all know that when you give away, God gives you more, and then you get more, and you say, well, but it gives more away, and then you get more, and before you know it, you got more, and you say, every time I give away, I get more. That's what God does. The more you serve him, the more you use, more of the things you do, the more he just blesses you and keeps using you. And so... Look at verse 29. For everyone who has more, everyone who has more shall be given, and he has an abundance. But the one who does not have, the one who wasn't faithful, even what he did have will be taken away. This slave will not get rewards because he wasn't faithful. Now remember, we're not talking about salvation. So when I read the next verse, don't get confused. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about faithfulness. Look at the next verse. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in the place that there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we all know that the outer darkness means outside the banquet. When we go into the thousand-year reign of Christ and we go into the kingdom, at the beginning of the kingdom is the banquet. It's called the wedding feast. We saw it in the other parable, the first, the parable of the ten virgins, where some had, had, uh, were faithful and some weren't, and the ones who weren't faithful didn't get to go to the feast. In fact, it actually says they went into the feast and shut the door, and the, other, the five who weren't faithful didn't get to go to the feast. When it says outer darkness, we've already seen it now three times in the Gospel of Matthew, and outer darkness is not hell. Outer darkness is outside the feast at the beginning of the kingdom. And so what we see is this unfaithful servant, this unfaithful slave, didn't get to go. In fact, it says out there, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth means sorrow. It means they're going to be all upset because they didn't make it. Faithful believers, they get rewards. They enter the kingdom and the feast. Unfaithful believers, no rewards. They enter the kingdom, but not the feast. So just understand that. So this is a passage where this unfaithful servant didn't get to go. He's now in the outer darkness where he's upset because he missed out on the banquet because he wasn't faithful. I want you to understand, all believers, both Old Testament and New Testament believers, will give an account. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Old Testament saints at the beginning of the kingdom are rewarded. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things we've done in these bodies. So we're going to all be rewarded. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 basically says that we'll, our works will be tested. If what we have tested remains will be rewarded. If what we don't have, if it's burned up, there will be no rewards. 
That's what he teaches in 1 Corinthians. And so we see all this. I want to remind you that the best that we can tell from Scripture is that after the rapture, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's also a view which I actually hold is that the moment you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I think the moment you die, you'll be with Jesus Christ. There's also another teaching that there, after the kingdom starts, there's a 45-day period that's listed in the book of Daniel, and nobody knows what that 45-day period is for. Some people say that's when we get our rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. We don't know exactly when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but we will. There's the great white throne judgment, which was unbelievers. However, there will be people who will be born during the kingdom who will trust in Jesus Christ, and it's a possibility that the great white throne judgment, they will receive rewards there. So we're not sure. Here's the key. Every one of us in this room will stand before our Savior And we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master. You were faithful in little. I'm going to let you be faithful in much. So some great things there. Let me give you some applications. I just want you to think about this. The first is this. Let's realize that all believers will be accountable to God. You're going to be accountable. And this is this. Every believer has been given gifts, talents, and abilities. Whatever your gifts, talents, and abilities are, some of you uh, with spiritual gifts, some of you have the gift of teaching, some of you have the gift of leadership, some of you have the gift of mercy, some of you have the gift of helps, all different kind of gifts, whatever the gifts are, whatever your talents are. I always think about our guitar player right there, Don, when he, he's up there, and, and I'm sitting right there, and sometimes he's playing that thing, and I go, Oh, my gracious, I can't believe how he can do that. It's amazing. Now, that's a talent and ability. Listen, you could let me, you could say, take the guitar, spend 1,000 hours practicing. I still can't do anything like that. So some people have different talents, and some people have different abilities, and some people have different spiritual gifts. But we have been given that by God, and we are to use those gifts and talents, and abilities, and times, and possessions, and money, and everything. We're to use all of it for the glory of God. Why? Because we all, as believers, we want to hear the Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I want you to understand, faithful believers will be rewarded. Unfaithful believers will not be rewarded. And so what do you want to do? When you stand before Jesus, do you want to hear him say, well done? And we're not talking about salvation. Remember, salvation is a gift. has nothing to do with what we're talking about. This passage is dealing with rewards. When faithful people get rewarded, unfaithful people do not get rewarded. What do you want? Most of you know who D.L. Moody is. D.L. Moody had Moody Bible Institute. He was a, he was a famous Bible teacher. And he started uh, uh, three or four different schools. He started Moody Bible. He started a school for boys. He started a school for girls. He's just famous. But he had no education, by the way. He had no education, and his dream and goal was to teach the Bible to people. But he wasn't educated. And he became famous enough that they asked him to come to England to speak. I mean, he went from both sides of the, of the waters. I mean, he was an amazing man. And when he got to England, when he first went the first time, they made fun of him because he messed up his verbs and he sounded like a hick. That's what they, they made fun of him until he started teaching the Bible. And when he started teaching the Bible, they shut up and they listened because he was a faithful man. He said something like, it didn't matter to me. He said, all I really care about is, is teaching the Bible. And I read a story about a man, the first time he saw D.L. Moody, D.L. Moody was in a little shack looking place 
And he walked in to see, and there was D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody had a baby in this arm and nine boys in ragged clothes, and he was teaching them the Bible. And all that mattered to D.L. Moody was whether it was at a Bible institute, whether it was in England, or whether it was in a shack. His goal was to use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God gave him. What are you doing? What am I doing with what God has given to us? Are we taking the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us, and wherever he puts us, wherever, how long he's going to leave us on this earth, are we saying, God, I just want my life to count for you. And I want to take the gifts and the talents and the abilities. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the rewarding stand, to be rewarded for the things we've done in this life. May we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant.